0: Father, I just pray today that you will add your anointing, Lord, to the ministry of the word of the Lord. Open our hearts today that we may receive today, challenge us through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in a series of sermons I'm calling, Take Action. Turn to your neighbor and say, Take Action. What we are doing is we are actually strolling through the book of Acts. The book of Acts is indeed a book filled with action. Well, This morning we find ourselves in Acts chapter number 2. Jesus has ascended back into heaven and the Holy Spirit has descended on the 120 in the upper room. The Bible says that all 120 who were assembled in the upper room were gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit... The Bible says that they were speaking a brand new language that no one had taught them but was given to them supernaturally as the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. People from everywhere began to gather around these 120 in curiosity as to what was going on. People from several different Uh, Language groups heard these 120 speaking in a language that was not their their native tongue but was in their native tongue. And they were speaking words of praise and glory and honor uh, and speaking about the wonderful works of the Lord. And these people uh, who heard them began to look at each other and began to say to one another, What in the world is going on? Uh, What in the world is happening here? What does all this mean? And this takes us up to our scripture for today. I want us to take a look today. We're going to go through verses 14 through uh, 47 of Acts chapter 2 this morning. And then in these verses, I want to point out four things. First of all, I want us to notice the preacher. And the preacher is found uh, in verse number 14. Let's read that. It says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. The preacher, Peter, Peter recognizes a golden opportunity. He has a captive audience that is actually asking the question, what's going on here? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be incredible if that happened to you or to me and something spiritual or supernatural was going on and, and, and unbelievers and people that were, that were unaware would look to us and ask us, what in the world is happening? What in the world is going on here? What does all this mean? Wow, what a golden opportunity to present the gospel. I wonder how many golden opportunities that we squander. I I just wonder, I just wonder, do we take advantage of the the teaching moments uh, as they are made available to us? I wonder, are we sensitive to the Holy Spirit enough to recognize our golden opportunity to speak up for Jesus? Maybe to an unsaved friend or family member, maybe to a, to a co-worker, maybe, maybe even to a perfect stranger standing in line at the grocery store, but, but, but for whatever reason, something is said, something is brought up, and the door is open, and there is an incredible opportunity there for us to share about the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder how many times we drop the ball. I wonder how many times we miss the opportunities that have been given to us by the Holy Spirit. I want us to notice two things about this preacher named Peter. First of all, I want us to notice the change. Notice the change. Verse number 14 says, But Peter standing up, say standing up. Standing up. But Peter standing up with the 11. We need to remember before Pentecost. We need to remember this preacher before his upper room. Experience. You see, before Peter's upper room experience, he did not stand up. Where was this preacher when Jesus needed him? And what did he do when he was pointed out as one of the disciples of Jesus? The Bible says that he denied his Lord. The Bible says that he failed his Lord. His actions did not line up with his word. But here he is again, here he is after Pentecost, here he is after his upper room experience, a different man. See, what Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 was fulfilled in the life of Peter. Remember what Jesus said in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8? Jesus said, you will receive power. When is that power going to come? Jesus said, you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And Jesus said, after the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will become witnesses for me. And that's exactly what happened. Before Pentecost, he was not a good witness of Jesus. Before Pentecost, he denied his Lord. Before his Pentecost, before his upper room experience, uh, he did not stand up for Jesus. But now, after empowered by the Spirit of God, after his upper room experience, he stands up for his Lord tells me we need our upper room experience. That means we need to receive the power that comes from the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Notice the change. Peter stands up and starts preaching. And I want us to notice Peter's style of preaching. First of all, I want you to notice that he spoke boldly. Boldly, Verse number 14, Peter said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And heed my words. Peter spoke boldly. He didn't worry about being politically, politically correct. He didn't try and polish his sermon. He didn't worry about offending someone. He stood up, and he spoke up. Let this be known to you, he said emphatically. Heed my words, he commanded them. But I want you to also notice that not only did Peter speak boldly, but also he spoke boisterously. Boisterously, verse number 14 says, but Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice. I like that. I like that. I guess Peter must have had the same style of preaching that I have. I guess he yelled too. I guess Peter must have been a bulldog too. So I guess when you call me a bulldog, you're putting me in pretty good company. The second thing I want us to notice in this passage today is I want us to notice the people. And we'll find the people in verses 14 and 15. Let's read it. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, the people, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Notice two things about the people. First of all, notice there was a crowd of people. There was a crowd of uh, people. Now we talked about this last Sunday, so so I'm not going to uh, uh, spend much time here. I'm just going to mention uh, the fact here this morning. But listen, listen, we are being told today that Pentecost drives away people. People are writing books. People are holding seminars. People are telling pastors today, uh, some even in our own ranks, that Pentecost drives people away. That you cannot build a large church today if you embrace Pentecostal doctrine, which includes speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating uh, openly in the services. But what's funny to me is this. The first church was Pentecostal. The first church was Pentecostal. The church was born out of a Pentecostal prayer meeting. The first church spoke in tongues. The first church embraced the Holy Spirit. The first uh, church embraced the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and, And what happened to the first church? The Bible says that it experienced phenomenal growth. The church grew from 120 in the upper room to 2 to 3000 in one day. That's pretty good growth. I'm telling you, yes, yes, you can grow a large, thriving church and still be Pentecostal. I'm not talking about being crazy. I'm not talking about being stupid. I'm talking about a Pentecostal church that, that acts uh, uh, in order, in an orderly fashion, even as the Bible gives order for the gifts and the movings and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you today, I believe that the church would grow like never before if we had another Pentecost, if we had another experience, if the Holy Spirit would gloriously baptize us and I'm praying and I'm believing God that he's going to do it again and yet some are drinking the Kool-Aid today and they're thinking they'll build their church with cool well listen I'm not against cool just look around I got a cool staff I got a cool building we got some cool things going on in our church but let me tell you we're not depending upon cool I believe in cool cool is cool But I don't think you have to take your pick. I don't think it is a A a A or B thing. I don't think it's a multiple choice. I think we can be cool and still be baptized gloriously in the Holy Spirit. We can be cool and still have the manifestations of the Spirit of God. We can be cool and still have the power and the glory and the presence of Almighty God in our midst. Okay, we can't grow a large church today and be Pentecostal? Well, listen, it was the Holy Spirit that drew the crowd on the day of Pentecost. But not only was there a crowd of people, there was also a confused people. When they all, when they heard all these people speaking in tongues, speaking in languages that were not their native languages, they were confused and they turned to one another and they said to one another, what in the world does this mean? What in the world is happening? What in the world is going on here? What does all this mean? They knew something was happening and, I, and no doubt in my mind, they even perceived that something supernatural was happening but they were confused as to what was happening. Here's what we need to understand from that this morning. Pentecost must be explained. Pentecost must be explained. Yes, I believe in Pentecost. Yes, I want to promote Pentecost. But Pentecost must be explained. And that's why when the gifts of the Holy Spirit manifest at the grace place, we take a moment and we explain what happened. Peter took time to explain what was happening on the day of Pentecost. All right, we've looked at the preacher. We've looked at the people. Notice the third thing that I want us to look at in our scripture for today, and that is I want us to notice the prophecy. Notice the prophecy, and the prophecy uh, starts with verse number 15 and goes down through verse 21. Let's read that. Peter says to them that day, These are not drunk, as you think, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. What was spoken by the prophet Joel? Well, he tells them, It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Just let me just say in passing that I'm seeing visions, not dreaming dreams. And on my men uh, servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and shines in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter says to all the people who have assembled... He speaks to the mockers as well as to those who are sincere and yet still confused. And Peter says to them, what is taking place here today is the beginning of the fulfillment of the prophecy of the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. You can find this prophecy given by Joel in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. Peter quotes uh, the, the prophet Joel nearly word for word. Let me point out three specific uh, predictions uh, in this prophecy. First of all, Joel prophesied the Spirit's outpouring. The Spirit's outpouring. You'll find that in verses 17 and 18, Joel prophesied that one of the signs that would reveal the beginning of the last days was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the upper room on the day of Pentecost was the beginning of the last days. We talk about being in the last days. When did the last days begin? The last days began when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. You might say, but pastor, that was 2,000 years ago. You say, we're living in the last days and they started 2,000 years ago. Yes, that's exactly what I said. But what we also need to understand is this, that 2,000 years to God is like two days for us. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 8 says that, uh, beloved, do not forget this. With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So based upon that, for us, it's been over 2,000 years since the day of Pentecost. For us, that means that the last days have already lasted for 2,000 years. But for the Lord, it simply means it's only been two days. But let me say this this morning, if the beginning of the last days was 2,000 years ago, then surely we are living near the end of the last days. The church was born on the day of Pentecost. It was the very first church, or let let me say this, if the very first church was Pentecostal or Spirit-filled, then I believe that surely the end-time church will be as well. Verse number 17 of Acts 2 says, In the last days, says God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. And this promise is being fulfilled today. People all over the world are getting saved, and, and people all over the world are gloriously being baptized in the Holy Spirit in unprecedented, unprecedented proportion. May I tell you that a revival is breaking out all over the world Today? Now, I, I cannot tell you that the, that the revival is including America at this time. I believe that America will have a revival. I'm holding on to that. I'm believing God for that. But I'm telling you that, that, that outside of America, I'm telling you that overseas, I'm telling you that all over the world, a revival is breaking out and that God is working and God is moving uh, in unprecedented fashion. There has never been a day when more people were getting saved than the the day that we are living in today. Never been a day when more people were being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues than they are today. Not necessarily in America, but all over the world. And one of the reasons why I want to be involved in even more, uh, be involved even more heavily in foreign missions is because this is where the masses are being saved. An end-time harvest is already underway in other parts of the world. Not only are they being saved, but they are being Spirit-filled. They are being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Let me tell you that so many people are being baptized in the Holy Spirit in other parts of the world that even the denominations that don't believe in being Spirit-filled are seeing their converts not only of blood bought by the blood of Jesus, but seeing them gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. They don't even believe it they don't even believe in it but it's happening to their members not only has it happened to their members but whole denominations it is happening to their missionaries and so they've had to ch- change some of their bylaws and now and I would give you but I don't like to throw rocks or use names but I could tell you that some mainline denominations today are now allowing They 're missionaries, not their preachers here, but they 're missionaries overseas to speak in tongues well, just try and stop it. I'm not talking about being rebellious. I'm just telling you that there is a revival that is going on around the world. You may not see it in every church on every corner in America. It's happening here and there in America, and I believe in God it's going to happen right here. But I'm telling you that around the world, there's never been more people being saved, never been more people being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's never been a better day, amen, for uniting with people all over the world, amen, and reaching our world for the Lord Jesus Christ. The harvest is white and ready for harvest. Fields are white, ready for harvest. Not only did this prophecy include the spirits outpouring, it also included the signs. And you'll find the signs in verses 19 and 20. I'm going to reread that. Verse 19 and 20. Joel's prophecy about the last day says, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. These signs will show up during the great tribulation period. The great tribulation period will last for approximately seven years, and it will begin immediately after the rapture of the church. You say, well, pastor, I don't believe the church is going to be raptured. Well, hope you have a good time down here. We're going up. (laughs) Make sure you turn off the lights and flush the commodes before you walk out the church. We're not going to be here to do it for you. These signs are going to show up during the great tribulation period that will last approximately seven years and will begin immediately after the rapture of the church. Let me just tell you this this morning, because this is not a a prophecy seminar this morning, but let me just tell you while while I'm here, you don't want to be here during that time. Notice the third thing Joel's prophecy included. It included the salvation's. Verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me tell you, some of you, this will startle your theology. But let me tell you that a host of people will be saved during the tribulation period. A host of people will be saved during The tribulation period, you say, Pastor, do you have any scripture for that? Yeah, I think I could probably find some. Let me look. Let's look over here in the book of Revelation, the book of the Revelation, chapter number seven. The book of the Revelation, chapter number seven. Let's read verses nine through 14. It says, and after these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number. How many know that's a lot of folks? A great multitude which no one could number of all nations, notice, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? Who is this vast multitude? From every nation, tribe, people, and tongue that worships God and stands before the throne of God. Who are these arrayed in white robes robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation. Who came from where? These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, perhaps you uh, are thinking, well... Okay, if there's going to be people uh, saved in uh, the tribulation period, then then there's no need for me to get serious with God right now. Uh, if I fool around and I miss the rapture, I can get saved then. I can get saved after uh, the, the the tribulation, or or if I backslide uh, now uh, and I miss the rapture, I can I can I can repent and I can be saved uh, during the tribulation. My answer possible but not probable. Possible, but not probable. Why? Four reasons. Number one, first of all, the tribulation period is going to be so horrendous. Why in the world would you ever take a chance on having to go through it? Number two, in order to be saved in the tribulation, you will have to refuse to take the mark of the beast. And if you refuse to take the mark of the beast, that means you cannot buy and you cannot sell. How are you going to live without your Starbucks latte? I don't think Starbucks latte is going to be at the height of your priority list then. Number three, only those who are willing to give their lives for Christ will be saved in the tribulation period. So number four, if you can't even live for God now, how in the world do you think you're going to be able to die for him then? I said, if you don't even have enough faith, if you do not have enough courage, if you do not even have enough desire to live for God today, where in the world do you think that's going to come from for you to be able to die for him in the tribulation? Listen, if you cannot live for God with a church on every corner and preaching and teaching going on by radio and television 24-7 and, and, and with dedicated saints and pastors and Christian counselors and on and on and on and on. Listen to me. Listen to this morning. Your best bet for salvation is now, before the rapture, before all hell is unleashed on planet Earth, before the wrath of God is poured out upon planet Earth. Yes multitudes will be saved during the tribulation period but most of these salvation's will not be from people like you and me that have heard the gospel a thousand times no 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 i believe it will be with mostly with those that have never heard Revelation chapter 14 Revelation chapter 14 verse 6 through 13 then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. Say gospel. The angel having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. Say earth. To every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. I don't know about you, but this you know this really helps me. It really helps me. Because I have a hard time of thinking about all the billions of people that have never heard the gospel, never will hear the gospel. And there still will be people that will never hear the gospel. but Let me tell you that during the tribulation period at some point in time, God's going to send an angel and that angel is going to preach the gospel and every person on planet earth is going to hear the gospel through that angel. I just read it. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth to every nation tribe tongue and people saying with a loud voice fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and the springs of water and another angel followed saying Babylon is fallen is fallen that great city because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication then a third angel followed them saying with a loud voice if anyone worships the beast and the image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand he himself shall also." Drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out uh, full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torments ascend forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, yes, says the Spirit. May they rest from their labors and their works will follow. Notice the last thing that I see in our scripture for today as we walk through the last part of the book of Acts chapter 2, and that is the proclamation. And we find this in verses 22 through twenty. 47, that's 25 verses, and I have 6 minutes and 30 seconds. I am not going to take time to read those verses, but I will tell you what they say. Let me briefly suggest three things about the proclamation that we find, as I already stated in verses 22 through 47. First of all, we find the gospel was presented. The gospel was presented. We find this uh, in verses 22 through 40. Peter stands up and preaches a three-point sermon on the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to promote Jesus Christ. John chapter number 14 and verse number 26. John 14 and 26 uh, Jesus says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to promote Jesus Christ. John chapter 16 and verses 13 through 15 Jesus said however when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you all things that the father has are mine therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. I'm going to say it one more time. One of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to promote Jesus Christ. So what do we find in the proclamation? First of all, we find that the gospel was presented. But not only was the gospel presented, number two, the gospel produced results. The gospel produced results. You'll find that in verses 41 through 40. Three, after, pre- after Peter preached the gospel message, he then gave an altar call and 3,000 souls were saved. But not only did they get saved, but they immediately joined the church and immediately began their journey of becoming discipled by the apostles. What does that say to us today? Well, it says to me that we should not only come together on Sundays in order to be inspired, but we should also come back to church on Wednesday nights in order to get instructed. Now, I do my best to provide both inspiration and instruction on Sunday morning. My wife says, honey, your ministry has has changed. I said, yes, sweetheart, now I have something to say. So I have, I, I have changed to what I call being a preacher. I teach in a preaching style, so really I am a preacher. Not only did they get saved that day, but they got plugged into the local church. We need not only to just be Sunday morning Christians where we just show up on Sunday morning to get our Sunday morning on, you know, and for whatever reason that, that, that we come, but we need to also, amen, get connected to the church. Amen, we need to come back on Wednesday nights to get instructed in order to get discipled. Our discipleship happens on Wednesday night. You know, it's on Wednesday night where we get matured in our faith through systematic and consistent Bible study And training. And it comes right from the book of Acts. Verse number 42 of chapter 2 says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. But not only was the gospel presented and not only did the gospel produce results, but also and finally the gospel promotes practical help. But gospel promotes practical help. You'll find that in verses forty-four through forty-seven. Verse number forty-five says that, that the people of the early church. It says that they sold their possessions, they sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now I think there's a lot of miscon- uh, a lot of misunderstanding on this on this passage, in this verse. Let me tell you that this does not mean that everybody in the church sold everything they had and gave it to the church. That's not what happened. You say, how do you know? Well, first of all, I'm a pastor for 43 years and I know I can't even get people to give 10% of their stuff to God, let alone 100%. And people don't change. Hello? Hello? It does not mean that everybody in the church sold everything they had and gave it to the church. It does not mean that they created a new law in the church that stated in order for you to be a member of the church, you must deed your property over to the church. That's not what happened. What did happen was members of the early church voluntarily, say voluntarily, Members of the early church voluntarily voluntarily sold surplus items. Say surplus items. They sold surplus items of goods, extra land they had, extra possessions they had they sold those and they gave the money to the church and the leadership of the church dispersed it to the other members of the church who were in need. What was actually happening here was the church became like a family. In a family, everyone pitches in and helps every other family member out. I will do anything to help my parents, my wife's parents, my children, my grandchildren. But I'm not selling my house and giving them the money that's left over of my house. I'm, you know, but I'm going to help them. The gospel promotes practical help. 1 John 3, verses 17 and 18 says, Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide In him. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And let me just say this in passing this morning, just in case somebody here has an entitlement, uh, a mentality where you think the church owes you something, the scripture also says, He who is not willing to work should not be able to eat. So, when we disperse funds and we help people uh, that are in need, we also make sure that we are helping people, amen, that are doing the best they can to help themselves. It wasn't that everybody in the early church sold everything and gave all the money to the church. No, they had a garage sale, and they sold surplus items, and maybe they had some extra land, or maybe there were a few of the people that were, that were really zealous and really, really ded- dedicated that did it, but it wasn't, it wasn't a one-size-fits-all, and it was totally voluntarily, voluntary what they, what they did. Amen. If we could get some help on the platform this morning, please. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that you will take the word that has been shared this morning. Father, may it do the work that needs to be done in the hearts and the lives of your people today. In the name of Jesus, amen.